I assume that we're live. There's no blinking light, no head of Mr. Rogers, so I shall go go on. Okay, good morning everyone, all the saints that are listening in um, online, and good morning to the saints that are before me, which what a tremendous blessing it has been to be together this week and to experience together what, what God did for us because that's what it was. <laughs> it's what he did for us. And what an amazing time we've had. I, I know um, we all feel the same way about um, the revelation and just the way he led us through um, different points of deepening prayer and intercession and that understanding and coming away with how we go home and apply that, walk in it, stand in it, be it. We really have to do that. We really have to adopt it as if our life depended on it because our life does depend on the revelation that we have received this week. Because if you look at what, what God did and what he always does is we have this understanding because of the understandings that came before. <laughs> you know, it, it's been, as we've said so many times, and as the scripture says, line upon line, and without the prior line, you can't step into the new line. That is, that's just the principle that we live by. But um, So we give thanks for all that God has done to bring us to this place. And um, I'm so thankful. I feel like the saints are ready. I feel a strengthening in the saints. I feel like there has been a commitment and a resolve given for what responsibility we have in intercession going forward. I feel like there was repentance for the ways that we weren't faithful in that area. Maybe not listening to the voice of the Lord to go pray when he said to. Um, so I, I, I know I feel that. I know that's what I have to do going forward, and I felt that this week very strongly. So I give thanks for that because only the Spirit can do that in us. And I give, you know, I'm just really grateful. Um, today we're going to look at um, some Hebrew words that the Lord highlighted to me, and it, it was so long ago now. I honestly can't remember how this came about. You know, like what I saw, what scripture it was that engineered the beginning of this study. And I'm sorry about that if I only had a brain. But, um, and even when I was just going over it yesterday, I was like, God, why am I even doing this study? I can't remember, you know, all the things that you were saying to me were that were so great. Um, I just pray they're hidden in there somewhere and they're going to come out today <laughs> at some point. But it doesn't matter. I, I know this is what the Lord told me to do. Um, I am sticking with it and believing that he's going to share with us something that is going to help us in the days to come. Um, I know, obviously, as you look at the title and you look at the words we're going to study, um, being saved, the word salvation, I mean, that, that carries its own weight of connotation. We all know what it means to be saved and what, it, what salvation means. So the tenor of the teaching really is geared toward the future and the many calamitous and scary and out of control environments that we're going to be walking in. And so I want to really to just speak a word of encouragement and exhortation regarding um, what God is going to be doing on our behalf in the midst of the worst circumstances you can imagine. So when you even look at David's life, and we can look at David's life because it is well documented. And we see how his life was often in danger and in peril. And God delivered him. And he called God his salvation. And he knew where his salvation came from. And he counted on that as a son of God. And so that's what our position has to be. I mean, we've already experienced the pandemic, which I know we all had to overcome whatever uh, unusual feelings we had about that. You know, what does this mean? Maybe you were fearful. Maybe it did, you know, stretch you somewhat in your faith because you you really didn't know how you were going to react to this. And I don't want to die. And this is, you know, is this going to happen to me? I mean, 
you know, I know there's a lot of fear that was um, going around the world, and I know that some Christians and even some saints fell prey to being fearful. But we don't want to walk in fear. We want to walk in confidence. And that's what I feel like these words, these promises, this relational covenant really provides for us. I mean, obviously, it doesn't mean that when it is our time to go tomorrow or in 20 years, it is our time to go. But just know when the enemy is coming against you, don't make the assumption. Just say, I'm here on the behalf of God no matter what happens. To his glory, it will be done. So we can't walk through our circumstances in fear. So let's look at these terms, and let's see if we can't get through these verses before the hour is up. So we're looking at the word salvation, yesha. That is the most, that's the term that I actually studied. Within these passages is also the next word, Yeshua. They both mean very similar things. Liberty, deliverance, prosperity, something that's been saved or delivered, the victory. We know um, from the definition that's below those three words, uh, I included a definition of Yeshua because we know that that is where our term Jesus comes from. So we, ha we can't separate the fact that the name of God is our salvation. So let's just read very quickly this paragraph. So Yeshua is the term from which the name Jesus was fashioned. This is the name above all names, for it fulfills the heart of God Almighty through obedience, submission, and alignment with his eternal plan. The true aspect of Yeshua, or Yeshua, ministry is found in meticulously and carefully demonstrating whatever God intends throughout the earth. The name above every name is, in truth, an indicator of the character of God to fulfill his eternal purpose. The point of our deliverance is his will, and the objective of Yeshua is the pleasure of having obeyed God as a son. As sons, we must function in the same Yeshua perspective on behalf of our Heavenly Father. And then look at the last word above that, to save. Both of these words have the root word yasha and that is the verb to save I mean to open I'm sorry it's a verb and it means to open to be wide or free to be safe to free or to succor which means to aid it's a strange word but it just means to support or to help or to aid so in essence what we're talking about as we represent sonship the deliverance that the Father will bring is ours. We walk on behalf of his mission, and in the midst of that mission, he is going to protect us. He will be our deliverance. And think about some of the examples we have in the Old Testament where, say, David was delivered, and it seemed impossible. It was always a miraculous situation, and David certainly had no hand in it except for his point of obedience and whatever God told him to do that brought the deliverance. So you have to think of your circumstances as one where um, you're really not going to see how he's going to do it until he reveals that. It's You're not going to know how you're going to get out of it. And so you need to go ahead and kind of shake yourself of trying to think of a you know how you're going to change and plus when you get in the situation you're just you're trying to change that situation immediately <laughs> you're trying to do everything you can to change the tide of whatever's happening there but here's the thing we we really don't need to try to do that for God we need to just remain faithful to the mission and those steps of obedience and then see him bring the deliver deliverance. And a perfect example of that, which was mentioned this week, is at the Red Sea. So they're just waiting around to be slaughtered, basically. So it was only in God's timing that the deliverance was going to come. And it came in a way that no one foresaw. And it was, I mean, even the movie did it justice. It, <laughs> whatever the, the, you know, the things they did to create that scene, 
it's still, I know the first time I saw it, I mean, it just looked real to me. It, you know, it impacted me. You see, you could see with your eyes how God did that. It was amazing. So let's look at these verses and be encouraged. Second Samuel. Okay, this is what I did in this first, this first horn of salvation business. It's mentioned twice. It's mentioned in Second Samuel 22, 1 through like 4 or 5, and then you have Psalm 18, 1 through 3. They are a reiteration of the same scenario by David. I just put the first verse because it's not a part of the verses in Psalm, which explains what David is doing. So, so 2 Samuel 22, 1 says, David spake to Yahweh the words of this song in the day that Yahweh had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. So they, they say that, you know, this didn't happen in the midst of his calamities. He's writing a song after many things had happened, and he's writing this song about God and the deliverance that he provided. But Psalm 18, 1 through 3 says, I will love thee, O Yahweh, my strength. Yahweh is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my El, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon Yahweh, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. It's funny to read the Psalms because David just, he kind of repeats himself. He looks for so many words that he can describe what God is doing for him with these words of the fortress, the buckler, the high tower, the salvation. So he is just really pouring it on. I mean, he is really letting God know that from every angle, he gets the deliverance that, that God is providing for him, and I really love that. And one thing you're going to see through these verses as well is that I am such a teacher. I mean, if there's a word you need to know, I'm going to put it down there. <laughs> and it's hard for me to, to just focus on what God is wanting me to deliver. I, you all need to know all of these terms all over again. This is the way I always feel. If I could just define all these things for you again. <laughs> It, and so you can see, you might, see, it doesn't bother me because this is the way I like to look at verses. I want to see what's behind all these words so that I can apply what God is saying. But if you find it confusing as we go forward because, I mean, I've put it all, I've underlined every word and all these things. And so just bear with that. And, and really, really for yourself, make these applications based on the fact that we know these pneumaticos terms. So David is, is talking with Yahweh, discussing the plan of God, and saying that that is his hezek, which means just to be made strong and courageous. But the thing that really stood out to me about the definition, it means to be readied to prevail. You know, that's a mindset. Readied to prevail is a mindset that you go forward with. We're going to prevail. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter if I lose my house, my car, everything of my livelihood. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> because God's plan will prevail. Because, see, that's what I'm after. You know, I've seen my house float down a river with all the stuff in it. <laughs> I have seen that. Um, so, so here's the thing. We can't, we can't be trying to save our lives. We can't be trying to preserve ourselves in the midst of this. We have to know that his plan, his will, and our placement as his son is only to see that happen and not, not to try to save ourselves and to preserve our own life. Our perspective can only be that his plan will prevail, and we go forward, you know, like a flint, just knowing that's, that's the end game. But I believe until the time of our own demise that's, you know, in his hand, in his plan, and it's a done deal, not going to change that. Until that point, though, you just, you just know that he's going to be bringing his aid, his strength, his salvation, and he's going to be your fortress— the next term for uh, when it talks about L in the word strength is the sewer term. 
And we get that when we learned about that regarding the sewer rock. And Adrian actually spoke on that a couple of weeks ago. I think that was her signature word, wasn't it? And it was an excellent teaching. The sewer rock, we need to be reminded about this because the sewer rock is the place he sets us upon. It is our sure positioning. And it's where we can see ahead because it comes from the word ur. We can see ahead, and we see what's happening in the spiritual, spiritual as, a, as opposed to the natural. So, yeah, you can look out there and see the natural circumstances, but God has given you on that sewer rock of positioning that ability to see what's happening in the spirit. And that's where we have to be because we have to always have the eyes that are looking for his perspective. How am I supposed to? Because think about it. You know, say you just you watch the news or you read the news and you see, you know, you know, a million people have died of, you know, this pandemic. I mean, just seeing the natural result of something can cause you to fear. But if you're able to see beyond what's actually happening on the earth, because folks, a lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to die. I mean, let's just look at the Old Testament when when God came in and gave judgment. I mean, it was like you know, you're just leaving a remnant. And he only ever left a remnant. <laughs> he, he came in in so many ways. But when he says he's coming in, baby, <laughs> it's just no stopping that. So we had to recognize that God can be doing that and we can be in the midst of even that judgment. And we have to recognize that we are that remnant. We are going to be that remnant. Okay? Okay. Yes. Uh huh. So here's another interesting part of this verse. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not. I, I'm not going to go to all those other things. I'm going right to something that's important. <laughs> I want you to look at verse three, because it says, "I will call upon Yahweh," and it says, "Who is worthy to be praised?" But all that really says is, "Kara, Yahweh." Halal. I will call upon the plan of God. I will halal. And then it says, and I'm going to be saved. Yasha. For my enemies. So the halal is right there in the middle of calling upon the Lord. You get that halal, which is when you, you're seeking him. He gives you the basically kind of shows you what he wants to do. You envision that and begin to praise him for how he's going to carry it out. It's allow vision, praise based on what you're seeing. So what's going to happen? So I, I think that is an amazing, an amazing little find there. I really loved, because you know, if I hadn't clicked on worthy, and I know when it's italicized, I'm supposed to know that that's actually not, it doesn't have any Hebrew to back that baby up. But I clicked on worthy, and I was like, what's going on? And so I just... I, I like to click on the number thing at the top because it just gives you all the Hebrew or Greek um, words so you know exactly what's in that sentence. And uh, I saw that and I was like, well, that is just amazing. So that's a principle that we can't ignore, right? The three, I tried, the, the principle of the three. So um, praise the Lord for that. So let's move on. So that's, that's something we really have to, you know, i got to go back to that. Because the thing, I, I, the thing I'm learning, because I know what my weaknesses are, which is, I don't want to talk about it. But here's the thing. This is an active partnership. So you don't just see the vision. You don't just find out what he wants to do. You actually have to do something about it. That praising is your partnership, part of this, to see the outcome. And it's the same thing with the prosuke, the palau, um, and the things we learned this week. It, it wasn't with that, it's not without us having to respond in some way, which means you got to use your little brain, you got to come out of your little love stupor, and you got to actually, actually make some declarations or whatever it is he asks you to do on behalf of that point of partnership and that prayer and the things that he's shown. I'm horrible at this. I only do it 
<laughs> Honestly, and I know this is really not this bad, but I'm giving this example just because it's funny. This one pastor said he was talking to his mom and she only prayed in the spirit once a month. It's not that infrequent, but I do, I, I do do it more often when I feel the spirit moving within me. It's easier when you feel the anointing or he's giving you, you know, you just, you're just kind of strengthened by something he's given. Then, yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, and you just wax eloquent. And you're just going all over the place with it. But on the times when I'm at 3 o'clock in the morning going, oh, yes, my prayer time is over. It's time to go to bed. You know, I, I don't want to awaken all of those, you know, that's an engine in there. It's an engine that I have to activate. I have to activate it so that I'll do something with what I feel or what I'm being shown. So don't be like Stacy. <laughs> but I have repented of that. And God help me and give me grace to go forward and be obedient to what he's asking me to do. Okay? I really am going to give it a, a, a good old college try. A good old saintly try. Which hopefully is a lot better than a college try. Moving on to Psalm 18. Verses 28 to 35. For, for you will light my candle... Yahweh, my Elohim, will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By Elohim have I leaped over a wall. As for El, his way is perfect. The word of Yahweh is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is Eloah save Yahweh? And who is a rock save our Elohim? It is El that girdeth me with strength. And he makes my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and he sets me upon my high places. He teaches my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken in mine arms. Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. As you can see, there's a thousand terms in here, and I love every single one. <laughs> They're all my very good friends. And that way, that's why I had to share them with you. But candle, he has taught on candle before, um, but because I remember, I remember him doing so. I can't remember all the things he said. I'm afraid, but I did think it was important to show that candle is this word near, and it means to till the soul, because it's a gleam of a fresh furrow. So when it says you will light my candle, I feel like that is an active thing because we're, we're actively and continually being tilled. A soul of our heart is being tilled. That, that shows that we have that soft heart. We're willing, you know, in, the, in whatever he wants to do, we're willing. And that's where that light is going to come and it's going to shine upon that. And then in most of these verses, Yahweh and Elohim are, are both mentioned. They're you know, these guys are not separate. They work together. But we have to, we make mention of the fact of why the Spirit actually delineated a difference. There is a reason why one may be mentioned in a particular uh, passage and another one uh, in Elohim or Yahweh, whichever one is mentioned, and why and what that might mean for us. But throughout these <laughs> passages about salvation, it is, they're both mainly in all of these because they are working together. Those aspects of the Father are working together to see us victorious. But let's look at Yahweh Elohim that enlightens the darkness. And I have, um, I thought I did. Okay, I have the definition here of darkness in case you guys want to be reminded. So the definition is misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow. This really speaks of, for David, it was literal in a lot of ways, but there's also just an enemy atmosphere that we encounter a lot of times that um, bring about misery, the feeling of death and destruction um, that is very prevailing, and it is might as well be real because you just feel it to your core. And so, so we're talking about the plan of God and the heart of God being that light, that thing that the one who will illuminate that atmosphere and illuminate his son, his saint, in the midst of what we're walking through. 
because we will be walking in darkness. And that's a, the darkness is always a place of development, partnership, communion with the Father, because that's where he hides himself. So although these other atmospheres and the enemy really wants to disrupt what's happening in the darkness with the Father, he wants to bring about you know, an atmosphere that you don't want to commune, where you're not being developed, where you know you don't want i mean you obviously want to change it to something beautiful and you want to bring light to it but on honestly sometimes we get into those atmospheres and we're kind of flustered and confused and we don't know how to even you know it's hard to, it's almost like you feel a veil or a separation with god you don't feel that there's a point of commune but i'm telling you it is there and if you press in for it you will find it and then um let's go to verse 30 it says elves way is perfect and if you go down to verse 32, and he says that El will make my feet like hinds feet and set me upon my high places. I mean, I'm sorry, I just, I just skipped a line. He, I'm sorry, verse 32. <clears throat> okay, let's start over. It is El <clears throat> that girdeth me with strength, and he makes my way perfect. Those two words for perfect are the same. They mean to be complete. They mean to be sound without blemish. So L, his way is perfect, and he's going to make, he's going to make our way perfect. I love that. But he's also going to gird us with strength, or hayul. It comes from chul. Anybody heard that word before? You should have, <laughs> because that's our partnership and restoration in the ways of God. That's that's that activity in intersection. Intersection. That's the second time I've done that. Um, okay, uh, I didn't do it today. I did it another day. But anyway, in our intercession, you know, we are chewing. We are partnering for this point of restoration. And in order to do that, we actually have to be moving in the chewel for ourselves. We have to be moving in the ways of God for us. We have to be willing to be in that cycle of change, that cycle of renewal, and that cycle of restoration for ourselves. Now, that sounds all yummy. But really, that is really purging, refining. It's every point that's going to it's going to challenge you, and it's going to challenge you, yourself, because we're looking for you know for him, and he wants us to be like him. So that cycle of the ways, that chewing, is actually kind of painful and something that a lot of people resist. So if you want to partner with God in His ways, if you want your way to be perfect, if you want to see you know restoration in the nations. You better be looking for restoration in yourself. You're already looking for that chul, the activity of chul in your own life. And so I like the fact that um, in 33 he says, He makes my feet like hinds feet. And if you think about that, I know we've, everybody's been taught that, I'm sure. Um, it's a popular phrasing. But it, we know that that, that ability is to be able to walk in in high places but that have you know really difficult terrain you know maybe really narrow pathways and so the goat right is it the goat that has the hinds feet the deer the deer okay so you know their feet no the hinds feet you know actually repeat what the four feet are doing so that they you know it's, it's exact. So no matter where they are, wherever they place their front feet, their hind feet will follow exactly. But the thing that kind of that kind of stood out to me was that, you know, the hind's feet for going to the high places, because it says, He maketh my feet like hind's feet, and he sets me upon my high places. And this phrase is used in other places and other, you know, scriptures that talk about, you know, the hind's feet for high places. And the word for set is a mod, and it means to stand, appoint, and abide in that high place. And it really, it really spoke to me about a difficult terrain that is our chosen path. Okay, because God is the one that's setting us up there. He's the one that's giving us hinds feet to navigate the path. And the path is the thing that we don't want to reject because it doesn't look like we can do it. It's like the plan of God. 
when the plan of God hits you in the face and you think, don't want to do that. Because either it looks impossible, feels impossible, scary, it wasn't what you had planned for yourself, you really wanted to do something else, you see victory if you do it this way. How many times do you look at things and you see how you can get, you can get something done? We do it. We got a brain for that, folks. But we have to not do that. We have to wait on the Lord for his path, for his plan. And that is not usually lined up with the plan that we had. So we've been talking about this all week, but I feel like this hinds feet in the high places is saying the same thing. He's giving us the ability to walk and navigate these very you know, difficult pathways that are in the high places, but only if we are submitted to his plan in that pathway will we be successful. So I love that. Um, I'm going to move on. I could see I could take each verse and spend that much time, and, and I guess I could, but I'm not going to. is the, the female deer and it, it speaks about the production the, the ability to reproduce and it's different from the, the derivative for, for a stag and it's also the word that is used to describe the porches in the temple but the point is that it has more to do with the swiftness of uh, the mother deer trying to find a place to bear her children or to keep her children safe. So where that is connected with the high places is when God gives us any high place of communion with him, he's wanting us to know that he is our husband, that he is watching over that measure of safety for the growth and development of what he wants in that high place. And it really is an extended study beyond that, but it's it's, it's very interesting that wherever it speaks about the hind's feet, it, it really is speaking about the high places and existing there, but it has more to do with where that animal would go to safeguard its babies and to be set up for its inclination of bearing children. And so it, it has to do with productivity, really, and, and our partnership with God in that place. So it's not just going up there and waving the sword and blowing the shofar and kicking it and taking names. It has more to do. But, but see, then you can extend that to what the porch means, where we're, we're coming before the Lord to meet with him for the purpose of finding uh, a, the producing of his ways and his will. So it really all goes back to the bride of Christ and why that is the, the new Jerusalem and us bearing what God wants. Interesting. That is very interesting, and that, that seems like a, a really in-depth study that <laughs> required to, to unearth that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So, do that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, amen to that. Okay, let's look at uh, Psalm 20. Verses 5 and 6. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our Elohim, we will, be set, we will set up our banners. Yahweh, fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that Yahweh saves his anointed. His anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. So in this, term, this passage, we actually have Yeshua uh, rejoicing in the salvation of Yeshua and in the name which I I don't know I'm sure I knew this at some point but let's just say I, I don't know it now until I look this up but name comes from Sum and we know that that Sum is really talking about um, our positioning and that alignment with his overall plan and so because it, it means to set or lay in a line 
So when you're talking about you know being set or laid in a line or positioned uh, for purpose um, in Elohim, and we set up the flag to demonstrate that that banner, um, I just think that's really cool. Yahweh fulfill all your petitions. Mashallah comes from Sha'al. So your petitions are those deliberations that you have with the Father in intimate communion and by the authority he's given you, you, you are partnering with him to declare what he's already wanting to do. And then it says that Yahweh saves his anointed. He'll hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. That word strength, gabura, gabura, is what has, was mentioned this week describing Gabriel. The word Gabriel comes from that word. It's talking about the mighty ones in the Old Testament. Um, it describes a successful warrior and a representative authority. So saving, the saving strength is describing someone who is a faithful, loyal warrior, someone who is devoted to the plan of the leader. Um, and then, because that's what Jesus did. You think about it, Jesus was also described as Geburah because he had the council of might, which was Geburah. And what did he do? He was devoted to the plan of his father. He also submitted to becoming a son, and he was given strength, really, to display that, to demonstrate that for our benefit so that we um, can follow in his footsteps <coughs> in, that, in that point of Geburah as being a mighty man. And I can't, I can't even tell you how many years pastors been really talking about we need our mighty men. We need these levels of authority and position so that we can go forward because that is just the principle of God is having these different uh, mighty men, valiant ones, and so on so that we can, as the army of God, uh, prevail in obedience with our Father. Um, Psalm 51 verses 10 through 13. We heard about a lot about this this week. Create in me a clean heart, O Elohim, and renew a right spirit within me. I really love the fact that this begins with, you know, that point of contrition and wanting to be cleansed in relation to the heart of God. Renew that right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And I bet that that is one of the panim or panah words. I actually didn't click on that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So coming before God, we've spoken about this all week and coming to a point of cleansing before him, allowing him to restore and refresh us through that measure of cleansing. And then what, what David is asking for is for the joy of his salvation to be restored unto him. And we are very familiar with this word joy, sasson, which um, we have learned speaks of the season gleaning this timing of the season, gleaning, um, you know, kind of where we are in the season, our positioning within the season, um, trusting in his divine plan as it goes forward. And here's the thing. You know, you're, every season comes with this measure of cleansing. I mean, there's just always a new work that God wants to do. So trying to um, be aligned and have your perspective corrected as he's cleansing you because the cleansing itself touches areas that are usually carnal, resistant, and everything else, which can also lead to bitterness if you're not <coughs> you know, also asking for that joy, that point of perspective where I want to partner in the seasons. Whatever he's doing in me right now, and it is awful, I want to still be submissive to it. I want to allow that to happen in me. And that's what we always have to be saying. I, we've been through some rough seasons, and every one of us, and, and seasons that felt like there, would, there was no end, and seasons that you really wondered if you were going to make it or come out on the other end. 
Seasons where you didn't have an answer for the conflict or the strife or the challenge that you were facing. Seasons where there wasn't an answer for whatever was, was coming against you. Because the season itself you know, is supplied with a lot of obstacles. <laughs> it's not just about you know, your own carnal nature. But all those things that you face will point to your carnal nature as it responds. <coughs> And that's when God wants to reveal your heart so that you can deal with that. But the joy in that, it's like the joy of my salvation and the joy of the Lord is my strength is the same. You know, you, the joy is being obedient. That's where you find your joy in the season is being obedient. And it, it gives you the ability to ride it through the end, to see it through to the end. And obviously, on the other side... The things that you reap, the things that you understand, the things that God gives you by virtue of what you just walked through are things that you could have never foreseen. You, the victory is, and, th and think about this, the salvation means to be wide, free, to get, I mean, you're talking about just that, having that freedom of, um, in the spirit even just to express yourself. I mean, have you not felt at times where you just had no freedom to even express yourself? You couldn't even find a good word to say to the Lord? I mean, yes, you could, but you're trying to also feel, every, you know, you want it all to be absolutely copacetic within you. But when there's that rubbing, you're saying the words, you know they're true, but you couldn't find a feeling to support that to save your life. <laughs> And we can't go by feelings, because it's not really that. But still, I want my emotions to back up what I'm doing. I want my soul to be completely calling out to the Lord, pouring out to him. You know, I want it, my soul to be aligned with and in love with and seeking after him. So I am always pushing for my feelings to match my words. But there are times when they don't. And there are times when I'm like, God, this is the thing. I don't like this at all. But I know you did it. I know you did it. <laughs> so it's all your fault. And I blame you for it. I don't, you know, I, he knows my heart. I, I know he did it. I'm, I, so I'm like, I'm all for it. I'm doing this no matter what it means for me. I, this could kill me. And I don't care. This could ruin me. That's the way I feel sometimes emotionally, that I just feel ruined. How can I recover from this emotionally? How can I overcome the way I feel about, you know, one of my kids not serving the Lord? It could destroy me. See? See, something like that really can take an intercessor right out if, if you get emotionally involved in that grieving or that unholy thing. See? I just have to say, I know, that, I know this about you, God, and that's what I'm standing on. Right. There are times when no matter what's happening, that's what you have. That's what you have. You have what he, what you know his plan is, what he's doing in you, and you just have to hold on to that. And you can't be moved by these other things. But to me, that's the joy of the Lord because that's being instant in the, in the season. That's being, being partnering and living, you know, that saintly life, that sonship life in the season. You're present in the moment. You're you're, you're not, matter of fact, sometimes you can something back and happen, you're like, I'd rather do this so I don't have to think about that. And you just start doing things to put aside the things you're facing. But God, and it's not that God doesn't give you a respite, there is rest in the midst of it. But you can't ignore it. You need to stay in it with the Lord and accept the season. And that's where your joy is going to be your strength. And it's where you're going to find that salvation, that wide open thing that God's going to provide. Let's look at Habakkuk. When I heard my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might new walk in the day of trouble. Boy, he was trembling, he was quivering, <laughs> he trembled some more, and he did all that so that he would walk in new walk. He would have that new walk uh, presence of the Lord, that that first fruits uh, spirit resting upon him in the day of trouble. 
because, and this is talking about God. Here's Habakkuk talking about when God comes up into the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree won't blossom, neither will the fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive will fail. The, tr the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Okay, that's a pretty bleak description of whatever circumstances they were dealing with. That was real live business there in the hometown. That's, that's yucky. That is really horrible. And so he's saying in the midst of the most horrible scenario that he was dealing with, but for us that we can envision for ourselves, because obviously, you know, the, the herd in the stall is, I don't have any herd anyway. But that speaks of other things. So we're talking about provision, we're talking about protection, we're talking about, you know, everything that we need and God provides for our daily life being stripped from us. And when God comes in in judgment, that is really what he's doing. And if we have to endure that ourselves, <coughs> we must yet rejoice in the plan of God. We have to joy in Elohim, who is our salvation. Yahweh Elohim is our tool, our strength for endurance, efficiency. You know, we become a force when we partner with him in that. And he will again make our feet like hinds feet. And he'll make us to walk upon the high places so that we're still productive. To the chief singer on my stringed instruments, I sang this lovely song. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Oh, just to let you know, the word rejoice um, is jump for joy. And, and uh, joy is gill, which means to spin around. So that is that activity of chewing that manifest in the natural. Psalm 95, verse 1 through 3. O come, let us sing unto Yahweh. Let us make a joyful noise to the sewer of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For Yahweh is a great El and a great king above all gods. So again, we're talking about the plan of God and the heart of God. We're, we're making a joyful noise. We are celebrating, and because of the rock of our salvation, knowing that he's setting us upon this sewer rock. He's giving us um, positioning that cannot be, um, can, we cannot be moved from that positioning. It is a solid rock. And he's the one that places us there. He places us there for security. He places us there so that we can partner with him and see what's coming in the spirit. From that positioning, he gives us the, that perspective to overcome and to see his salvation. And then we come into um, presence here being panim. So I think that that other one was probably that same word. And we, we know that, that ta that's talking about that face-to-face that we have with um, the Father and how that moving and the turning of the head that you know we have to be right there moving right there with him when his face moves when he changes positioning we're right there with him face to face there's such an intimacy and this Thanksgiving we actually did that activation on Thursday night I believe where we lifted our hands in Thanksgiving and Toda we know that that means that your thanks you're, you're thanking him, but you are also submitting him, submitting to him and to his plan. You're submitting yourself for what he wants to do going forward. Praise the Lord. Truth. Psalm 69, 13. But as for me, my tequila, with some tequila, <laughs> is unto thee the plan of God, O Yahweh. When? In the right time, the acceptable time, the time that brings favor, the time that is one of delight. It is, a, you know, bringing that tapila declaration, which is, we know that the root of that is palau. So we're talking about the grace and supplication prayer, that point of declaration based on that supplication about his plan. 
and then we're making that regarding his plan in the right time in that acceptable time that's his time that's when it is that's when the acceptable time is and his timing and the time the acceptable time comes from raison which is um, kind of a, a cousin to or looks like Sasson that we have we just spoke about with joy and they do kind of they kind of they operate off of each other I guess is a good way to say it um, Sasson means to consider the timing in the season season while raison indicates the proper measure of action and functional favor in the midst of that timing so that measure of action and functional favor comes from that Palau that partnering in the Palau prayer now we're going to look at the God of our salvation, Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. Who shall ascend into the hill of Yahweh, and who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from Yahweh and righteousness from Elohim of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that's, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. So who, who shall ascend into the hill of the plan of God? Who is going to partner in his plan? Who will stand to arise? This is the word kum, to arise, perform, establish. Who is going to actually stand on his behalf in his holy place you know you can be in his holy place and do nothing or you can be a partner in his holy place well the partner is going to have clean hands and a pure heart I put the definition for pure because it does mean to be clean and clear but I love the fact that it said beloved so someone who has a pure heart is really a, a beloved a devoted person I liked that description and hath not lifted up his soul unto vain things and sworn deceitfully, he will receive the blessing. This is a word, baraka, uh, that comes from barak, which we're very familiar with, kneeling to, um, and you're, you're humbling yourself, you're kneeling, and you're going to be getting um, promotion, a fresh assignment, you're, it's a fresh commissioning <coughs> on behalf of what God is wanting to do next. This barak doesn't happen every five minutes. You know, the Barak is a thing that happens in its timing, you know, as a point of going forward maybe into a season or into an extended time period. But whenever you are ascending the hill of the plan of God, when you're partnering there, when you're standing in the holy place, and you are a beloved son, you are one who is partnering and faithful, this is the type of person who's going to be before the God, before the God, before God kneeling and receiving that commission and you're also I love this the commission comes from the plan of God and the vision comes from the heart of God the heart of his salvation I think that's really cool this is the generation that seek him to follow after to tread frequently seeking denotes a frequency of attendance <laughs> You're treading. You're actually making a little trail because you're going so often. That's us and, our, and the face, that panim, being face to face. Psalm 25, 1 through 5. Unto thee, O Yahweh, do I lift up my soul. O my Elohim, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, Yahweh. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the Elohim of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. That's an amazing passage. Let's look at um, those who wait on him aren't ashamed so when you kawa when you and that word wait kawa um, you may remember that it means it's like a cord that is bound together so you are bound very tightly um, to 
the plan of God to the heart of God, you are interwoven with him. And when you are thus, you will not be ashamed. You, you will not, you know, God's not going to let you down. And you're not, you don't have any regret over what God is doing. You're absolutely um, in line and adhered to his plan and to his heart. Look at verse 4. Yada, yada me thy ways. That's God just talking to you about his ways. I love that communication that we've been talking about. He's going to talk to you about his plan. He's going to teach you his paths. He's going to teach you the way to go. And it's going to be an intimate communication back and forth. He's going to lead us in that point of emet, which we know fulfills what he has said to you in the Oman. Lead us in the Amet. Lead us in that point of fulfillment of what you said to me at the right hand. You are the heart of my salvation. You, the heart of God is my salvation. Being in that place with the heart of God, knowing that relationship, and that devotion to one another is what, you know, when you think about it, there's many ways to be saved. Sometimes there's not, you know, a wild beast trying to kill you or a man. Sometimes it's just you're trying to kill yourself. I mean, you've got your, your worst enemy a lot of times. So just being in that commune and the way that he leads you in the Amet, the way that he, you know, just shows you his ways and he's talking to you, those things save you in ways. I don't think that we even recognize the ways that his, the words he says to us, the commune, something he might show you in the word, any way that he might um, communicate with you that causes you not to fall. You don't stumble, you don't fall away, or you remain faithful, or he's the one that does that through his spirit and by his commune when we are faithful to commune with him. So I really love that picture. We have to be those that wait on him all the day. Amen. Yes, we actually made it to page five. Uh, or you're on page three, right? Or page two. I, I don't know. Mine's different because I have little notes on my little sheet. I have to I have my definitions before me so that I make sure I don't mess up. Let's see what kind of time we got left. We only have three minutes. So let me look at what I got here. I don't think I have all my pages even. I had six pages. Okay. I'm going to skip, even though it is so good. That's all I can say. Yummy. I love it. Verse 27, I mean, Psalm 27, I'm going to skip that. And I'm going to end with Psalm 62 since I don't even have page 6, so I don't even have my last page. So I don't know what the, what's even on there. Yahweh saves, I think, something like that. Well, anyway, Psalm 62, 5 through 8 says, My soul, wait thou only upon Elohim. The word wait, damam, <laughs> means to be dumb, silent, and astonished. So David is talking to his soul, and he's saying, shut up. Be silent. Don't say a word as you are before Elohim. We have to quiet ourselves sometimes of the roaring that's going on within us when we want to commune with the heart of God. We really had to find the place of rest, as I've heard someone say sometime this week. We had to find and know how to find that place of rest when we're with Elohim. Our expectation is from Him. And that word expectation actually comes from the word kawa. So expectation is the cord, but the waiting is the binding. So we, we are that cord. And it is up to us to bind ourselves, to be intertwined with the Lord. He is our sewer rock, as we had discussed before. He's our salvation, our 
Yeshua. He's our defense. We will not be moved. We will not waver. <coughs> Elohim, the heart of God, is our salvation and our glory. That kabod. You know, that's the weightiness of his burden. I know Monica was discussing this just Friday night as we were closing. She was talking about the glory and how it is that burden that we have to accept and see it through. And, of course, the glory is always going to be uh, pursuing and fulfilling the purpose of God and defending those who are partnering with him in the mission of his glory. But one part about the glory that I thought was interesting that was mentioned, I'm sure one of Pastor's book, but I had put it in line upon line, the glory of Elohim is active dur during the impartation of the plan. And the glory of Yahweh is functional throughout the implement implementation of it. So the plan comes from Yahweh, I mean from Elohim, or Elohim is present. But then Yahweh, he's present to see the plan actually fulfilled and implemented. I thought that was interesting in regards to the glory, the glory of Elohim and the glory of Yahweh. And then we have the rock of my strength that owes that creative power that God releases to his sons, uh, creative inspiration that will provide measures of resourceful <coughs> and genius capabilities. He is our refuge, Elohim is. Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your heart before him. Elohim is a refuge for us. You can find refuge in the heart of God and in his plan. It is your fortress. It is your high tower. It is your shield and buckler. If you abide in the heart and plan of God, you will be saved. Destruction will not come to you. You will be saved. And I think that at the heart of, of um, even what the New Testament says, he says, don't, oh, don't, don't worry about the fact that you can you know, cast out a demon and all these other things. Just know, you know, be thankful that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm telling you folks, but when it comes down to the bottom line, when we're going through all these tribulations and these trials and these things that really do want to destroy us, and the enemy wants to destroy us, and he doesn't just want to kill us, he doesn't want us to be with the Father. He doesn't want us to be with him. He's trying to stop that in any way he can, and not just the saints. He wants to destroy the people of this world. He doesn't want them to serve God. He wants them to not serve God. That, to me, I just feel like that is one. It's not that, yes, he wants them to serve him, but I think at the heart, he just does not want them to serve God. That's kind of a vengeful, you know, if... If uh, I can't have them, neither can he <laughs> kind of attitude. But God wants to destroy us. I mean, the enemy wants to destroy us. God wants to destroy us too. <laughs> but in a completely different life-giving way. <laughs> no, but the enemy really wants to destroy us. And these calamitous atmospheres, and, and now I think we're, gonna, we're going beyond atmospheres. These are real-life situations. These are real-life life-threatening situations. I mean, think about what God, what happens when God sends a famine. Only he could be our provision. You know, you, we are just people on this earth. If there's a famine, there's no food. And so, but God can provide, just like he did with Joseph and making him, you know, know the, the dream and to know what he ought to do to apply it. And then he brought that point a provision for seven years based on that information and the walk, of course, that led up to that. But So God can provide to his people, but we have to know that the days that are coming are going to be perilous. They're going to be perilous. They're going to be harmful to our health. And we're going to be facing people who eventually may want to martyr us, who may want to kill us. It, the Bible says that that's going to happen. So, yes, that's not tomorrow. But, you know, leading up to that, did we see two years ago that a pandemic was going to come, that we're all going to be stuck in our homes? I mean, did we even see that coming? We didn't see that coming. And we certainly haven't seen what has ensued since then, which is a very rapid decline in our 
earthly existence. Things are not the same today as they were two years ago. Life is not existing status quo right now. And it, has, it was an accelerated situation. Do you not agree? It really happened like that. It was sudden. And so the things to come, we have to expect that there will be things that, um, that, that occur that are going to also take us by surprise. And we're going to feel threatened. We're not going to feel safe. And so I want you to know that, you know, your placement is at the throne of God. Your, your placement is on your face. When you hide yourself in the Father with his plan and in his heart, you will not be moved. You will not be overtaken. But you will know his salvation. You will. And so I give praise to God for that. I love these words, these psalms, because while we have not ever known personally the things that David endured, only through reading them, but we've never known any type of battle personally. We've never known famine and all these other things that these Old Testament dudes lived through. But if these, the days of the end are like the days of Noah... we got to get ready for more than just a spiritual atmosphere. Right? Okay, I love you all. And praise God. <laughs> and aren't we so happy? What did we do in the valley of the shadow of death? Yay! Yay! <laughs> no one played along but Vicki. Okay, it's me and you, girl. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this word. I pray that it would be an encouragement to your saints. I pray that, um, that they would seek your face, that they would pour out their hearts to you, and that they would find their strength and their hope and their salvation in you. I pray that your agape would fill us to overflowing so that fear would be removed in every way. I speak a blessing of the Spirit over the saints of God in our going forward, that we would be feel, filled and that we would know the power and the strength of your grace. God, cover us. Cover us and help us, Father. Lift us up upon this solid rock. Help us to see and to know and to embrace our identity in you upon this rock. We each have this sewer rock, this positional identity and authority that you are giving us and cause us to see ahead, cause us to see with those spiritual eyes that will not look at the things that are happening in the natural and, and waver and crater and cower and turn back. But God, we would have that vision that would absolutely see your plan and say, ah, the plan of God is being played out. Uh, I'm partnering with the plan of God, therefore, therefore I'm in a good position, and you are my salvation, and I rely upon you alone. I thank you, Father. You're good. Bless this day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.